Not long after the Israelites had departed Egypt, God led them to the wilderness of sin. They began to complain to their two leaders, Aaron and Moses, saying, if we had only died by the hand of the Lord in Egypt, at least there we had our fill of meat and bread. But you, you have brought us to the wilderness to starve. In response, it is God, not Moses, who replies. And God says, I have heard your complaints. Now, this is not the first time that God has said this to the people. When the people were crying out from oppression in Egypt, God said, I have heard your complaints, and I will come to you, and I will save you. And so, after hearing their complaints this time, God responded, here are your instructions. I'm going to send quail into your camp in the evening, and in the morning, I'm going to send fresh manna for you to collect off the dew. But you are only to gather as much as you need for each day. Take no more and take no less, with only one exception. On the sixth day, gather enough for the seventh day, the Sabbath. For on the Sabbath, you are to rest. Now, in practice, when it came around to, to the seventh day, some people did exactly as they were told, but others still went out to collect the dew, the manna from the dew. And so the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and instructions? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. The Lord had given a gift to the Israelites that they did not know how to accept. Now, it's important to understand the culture from which the Israelites were coming. Chapter 1 of Exodus tells us that the Egyptians made the Israelites' lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in every kind of field labor. They were ruthless in all the tasks that they imposed on them. Sabbath was non-existent. They couldn't conceptualize it. And they had become so accustomed to oppression that they didn't know how to stop even when the gift of Sabbath came. At the opening of our annual conference a couple weeks ago, Dr. Davis Chapel preached a sermon in which he said, it took three days for the Israelites to get out of Egypt, but it took 40 years for Egypt to get out of the Israelites. God is offering a new system, a new rhythm of life where bread and meat are given freely, not earned, and a day of rest is a mandate. I dare say that we can relate. We live in a culture that glorifies work, those who work the longest hours, those who are perceived as working the hardest are promoted and praised and make the most money. So how do we not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds? Sabbath is not the pattern set before us. In fact, I believe Sabbath is the American nightmare. It pushes back against a system of success and approval by which all of us in some way play our part because of social conditioning. 
Sabbath halts production, it keeps people waiting, it slows down completion dates. But this is why it is as crucial and challenging to us as it was to the Israelites. I noticed for the first time in this passage that the Ten Commandments were not actually given to the people of Israel yet. So already here, God is trying to teach the Israelites how to live as a delivered people. God is already saying, put me first. Forget the lords of this world, forget Pharaoh. I am your God. Already God is saying, make sure that the people around you have enough. Make sure that your neighbors can live. And God is challenging the people to not worry about abundance and not be stuck in a mindset of scarcity, but to believe that God will provide, that God will deliver daily bread. Later in the fourth commandment, we see that God lays out all the people and animals and children and land that should have rest. Further in the story, God is going to take it a step further and say, six years you should till your land, and the seventh year, don't plant a single crop. Let the land lie fallow. What we've learned is that Sabbath became to define the people of Israel. It was a marker to their identity. It was their witness to the world. And I think it can be our witness today to stop and turn our intentions and our attention back to God, to make God the Lord of our day, to make sure that we are sharing what we have and that everyone has enough. When we do not Sabbath, when we power through our days on empty, we begin to believe those lies that we do not have time to rest, that we are a product of our work, and we sacrifice our relationships with ourself, with God, and with the people that we love most. I've learned even more about the Sabbath now that I have a one-year-old. In fact, the last sermon that I preached about the Sabbath was a few weeks before I had my child. At that time in my life, I had every Friday completely to myself. I could wake up and read and write and exercise and cook. It was quiet, like my husband left the house. And one of our church members who was a new mother at the time, she said, we want to hear what you have to say about Sabbath after you have a baby. <laughs> so here's what I've experienced. Finding time to rest is infinitely harder when the number of people who depend on you increases, but you still need to do it. It still needs to be a priority. And the hard truth is that we do make time for the things we prioritize. So how could Sabbath shift? How could it be situational and seasonal? based on the point of life that we're in. What that means is that what it looks like for me now may not be what it looks like for you, but what we're trying to do is enter into God's time zone. We're trying to carve out and cultivate breathing room in our lives. 
And you and God get to discern together how that fits in your life. I also learned that it takes practice. On our back porch at our house, there's one step, just one that goes down to a smaller platform. When we open the back door, our son, Lewis, immediately starts crawling directly to that step. And so we have to chase after him to make sure he doesn't tumble off of it. Now he started to get to the edge and just lean forward like nosedive. So as I stand in front of him, I offer him my hands. He stands up and he steps down the step. And you know what he does next? He turns around and he climbs right back up the step and he does it again and again and again. I've learned that that is what Sabbath is like. We have to take it one step at a time until it becomes a natural part of our lives. We have to give ourselves permission to fail. Sabbath is not all or nothing. It is not uh, zero exercise or run a marathon. That was supposed to be funny. <laughs> Sabbath is not all or nothing, and we are given the gift to start over each day. When it comes to Sabbath, practice does not make perfect. Practice makes progress. And eventually, as in the Israelites in verse 30 today, we will get it. We will get it, and we will rest. Last Saturday, my friend Melissa hosted a yoga session in her home gym. I don't really like yoga, but I like Melissa. And I figured this was a good way to get out of the house and practice what I'm preaching. At some point in the session, the instructor, Julie, said, take a deep breath and let it out. She made us do it again and again. And the last time she said, this time, I want you to let it out in ugliness. My friend beside me was like, ah. I was like, I can't do that. <laughs> but then she said, maybe you've been holding your breath all week. Maybe you can't remember the last time you stopped and noticed your breath. Maybe. It's been a really long time since you took a good, long, deep breath. So I want to ask you today, are you tired? Are you stressed? Are you frustrated? Are you lonely? Are you sad? Are you tired of trying to figure out life on your own and rely on your own resources? Have you had enough? Because if you stop, when you stop, when you make time to breathe, Sabbath reminds you as you look around at your life that you have all that you need. Sabbath reminds you that you are not a product of your work, but that your deepest identity is as a child of God. Sabbath reminds you that you have enough that God is enough and that you are enough, amen.